We've heard him here before. But if you don't know Jerry, he is an associate professor of Bible at ACU. Uh, he has preached for many years in Texas, Georgia, and many places in between after growing up in Memphis. He is now highly involved in an initiative there at ACU called Racial Unity Leadership Summit. Is that right? Yep. Uh, he is married to Pat. He has two grown children. Now they're grown. They've come with him in the past. They didn't come tonight, did they? No, no. Um, but we always look forward to hearing Jerry because uh, he is an excellent speaker. Jerry, come talk to us. There is a presence in the room that we cannot behold with the physical sense of sight. But through the sensitivity of the indwelling spirit of the living God, who indwells us through his son, Jesus. It is through the sensitivity of that spirit that we're able to sense the presence of the one who is eternal, who holds the entire universe and his careful hand. In him there is no beginning and there is no ending. God simply is. And those of us who have been called of the gospel, we have responded to that call. We somehow know deep down on the inside of our very being that it is in God that we live and we move and we have our very being. We are beings that are rooted and grounded in the singular divine being of God. And those of us who have named the name of Christ, we know that his nature is everlasting. I'm thankful to be here with you tonight, to be honored in such a way to be asked to speak on this occasion, to lift up a name that is above every name, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. It is a joy on each occasion to be able to look you in the eye and to see something that is of God's own life residing behind those eyes that I look into, and to know that on a deep level, we are connected 
through God's life and through God's Spirit. There is a passage that I want to speak from, found in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. It is in the priestly prayer, beginning with verse 20. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I believe one of the reasons why Human beings fight over the possessions and the material things of this world is because they're living in the ignorance of what God desires to make present within them. It is only a human being that is ignorant of the presence of God's life abiding in him or her that will seek to find pleasure and to find meaning and to base one's identity on the things of this world that are fleeting, that are temporary. I want to argue the case tonight that one of the main reasons why people who have been in the church for so many years cannot find meaning in the church. There is a reason why some people are giving up their attachment to the church because they cannot find any meaning in the church. I believe that when we fail to understand 
that not only are we in the church, but that God's living life is in us. If we fail to understand that, then all we will have is an empty religion. An empty religion produces an empty person. And one of the reasons why we reach for and try to find meaning and the things that are outside of ourselves is because we are yet to believe that the almighty God of heaven and earth can reside in us through his son, Jesus Christ. The text says that Jesus prayed a prayer. And I'm glad to know that Jesus prayed. And that tells me that if Jesus prayed, then as a follower of Jesus, I need to also put some stock in prayer. The Bible says that he prayed not for them alone. I don't mind asking other people to pray for me, but it gives me an extra amount of confidence when I know that Jesus is praying for me. Whatever condition you are in tonight, whatever circumstance you are facing tonight, I want to remind you that Jesus is still praying on your behalf, that he's still interceding for your needs but he's also made it possible for you to have direct access to God. He has opened up that way. But many times we go to him asking him to answer our prayer. But I want to ask us tonight, are we intentionally seeking to answer Jesus's prayer? Because he prayed for something very specific here. Jesus said, I pray not for these alone. I pray also for those who will believe in my name through their message that all of them may be one. That is the prayer of Jesus, that he wants his people to be one. And if we expect Jesus to answer our prayers if we expect for Jesus to even hear our prayer, should we not give attention to the prayer of Jesus? Wouldn't we want Jesus to answer our prayer? Why wouldn't we want to answer the prayer of Jesus? And you say, well, who am I to say no to Jesus' prayer? Whenever there is envy existing in the heart, of a brother or sister that is saying no to the prayer of Jesus. Whenever there is jealousy, whenever there is competition, whenever there is hatred existing in the heart of a believer that is saying no to the prayer of Jesus. Whenever we undermine efforts at unifying people and intentionally seeking to divide people that is going against the prayer of Jesus. Jesus wants his believers to be one because his name is on the line. He does not want brothers and sisters 
dividing against themselves in the name of race, in the name of religion, or even in the name of politics. Jesus' prayer is that we might be one so that the watching world will know that Jesus has sent us into the world to be agents of peace, to be agents of reconciliation. We are here for just a little while, and then we take our last breath. And when it comes my time to take my last breath, I want to know with assurance that I have spent my time in this world seeking to be a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. That I've spent my life in this world seeking to answer the prayer of Jesus. That I will reach across lines of division and demarcation and to seek to let the love of God flow through me to my brothers and sisters. And I believe that is answering the prayer that Jesus prayed. And he says, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity, complete unity, complete unity. Not just unity, but complete unity. In order for there to be a complete unity, there is a possibility that there is an incomplete unity. A complete unity is a mature unity. It is a unity of wholeness. In other words, a complete unity enables this person and this person to not only sit beside each other physically, but that complete unity enables the inside of this person and the inside of this person to get linked up together from the inside out. In other words, a complete unity involves the innards. Now, I know some of y'all are not from Tennessee, so you don't know what the innards are. <laughs> Amen. But those of us who have dealt with pork, we know what the innards are. Amen. The internal organs. We may be able to sit our physical bodies beside each other, but that does not mean that our hearts are touching one another. As Jesus says, you can say that you love me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. I believe that what we need now today that only God can bring about, and the church is the instrument that God will work through. We need to go beyond social integration to a state of spiritual integration. For we might be able to put bodies together and occupy the same physical space, but it's going to take the work of God's spirit to take the inner orientation of human beings and to link them together. And when you have your inside connected with my inside, we may have external storms, but we have the super glue of God's love that can hold us together on the inside. In other words, we have a spiritually strengthened infrastructure that connects us from the inside and that inner connectivity, that inner unity will naturally express itself 
in our unity on the outside and that unity that we have that flows out of that inner unity is not forced, is not fabricated, it is not made, it is not something that we seek to invent, it is something that naturally flows out of the heart that is in love with God and that is in love with the neighbor. And when you have a unity that is flowing out of hearts that are oriented towards God, you will have a complete, mature unity that will be impressive to the eyes of the watching world. Now, let me say something until you hear. The NAACP cannot make that happen. The Republican Party cannot make that happen. The Democrat or the Independents cannot make that happen. And I believe that the spirit of the world has gotten so entrenched in the hearts of believers that we can no longer hear the prayer of Jesus praying for our unity, for our unity to be complete. And what we have to do is we have to allow God to repossess his territory. You see, he is the king that reigns over our inner domain. And when you put king and domain together, you got king dominion, which we call it kingdom. And where is the kingdom? Somebody help me now. The kingdom is in you. The king's rule and the king's reign is in you. Your heart is prime real estate. Your heart is prime territory. And that is the land of promise that God wants to occupy and to establish his rule and his reign. And when you know that God has established his rule and his reign in your heart, there is nothing in this world that can impress you or make you feel more fulfilled than what you feel as a result of knowing that God has established his rule and his reign in your heart. The worst thing you can have is an empty space. Now, some of us have become clean religiously. We have chased out the demon. He's no longer there. We have a clean house and we brag to other people. I don't smoke no more. I don't cuss no well, not as much as I used to cuss. <laughs> we have sweeped the house. We've swept the house, cleaned it out, and we, we're taking pride in an empty house. But let me tell you something. Evil loves empty houses that have been cleaned up. That one demon that is evicted, he will come back with seven more. And the state of the person is usually worse than the first. We have to know, not guess, but we have to know who it is that is existing in us. Who is it that is in you? This has to be something that we can not only think about when we're at the church house. We have to get up in the morning and let this be our meditation before we even take our medication. That we meditate on this beautiful fact that God is in Jesus, Jesus is in God, God in Jesus, 
They are in us and we are in them. How does that make you feel? To know that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they are abiding in you and you are abiding in them. And when you have that conscious awareness of that spiritual fact, you will not walk through this world being intimidated by the troubles and the trials of life. You will be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because you know not only is he with you, but he is within you. You have someone in you that death cannot kill. It tried to kill him forever on that Friday, but he got up that Sunday morning saying all power in heaven and on earth is in my hands. And that same Jesus is living today. And where is he living? He is living in you. But you cannot access that if you don't utilize the ability of faith to believe that. Do you believe that you are in San Antonio, Texas tonight? How you know that? <laughs> you just know that, right? If we were to have a conversation with a fish that's in a fish tank, would we have to argue and convince the fish that the fish is in water? No. He would just know that he's in water. Why is it so hard and so difficult for us to believe that we, as the people of God, are actually in God, and not only that, God through Jesus is in us. Do we believe it? If we believe it, we give up our career of being glory seekers. Because when you are in him and he is in you, Jesus says, Father, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. How many of y'all got glory tonight? Amen. You got glory. You don't have to achieve it. You don't have to accomplish it. It has been given to you. Now, let me read that from the Bible because I don't want to add to nor take away. Help me, somebody. Verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. When everybody got the glory, you ain't got nothing to fight over. You ain't got nothing to compete over. You don't have to prove to the other side that you're the greatest, you're the best, you're the best thing that God ever made and sent to the earth. Help me somebody. You don't have to fight over proving that fact because in the house of God, it's enough glory to go around for everybody. So what should you do with the glory that the Lord has given to you? You just need to let the glory flow. Let the glow flow. Let the light of God's glory that he has put in you, let it flow out of you. You are the light of the world. And the only way that you can give illumination and give light in the midst of your context of darkness is that you have to let the glorious light 
of the gospel of Jesus and the glorious light of the living presence of God, let it shine through you. Don't cover it up. Uncover it. Don't conceal it, but reveal it. It is not up to you to go out to Walmart and buy your light. You can't find it there. It is given to you by Jesus Christ. So live into it. You don't have to turn monkey trips to try to impress folk that you all of that in a bag of chips. Just be who God has called you to be in him. And God will do his work through you as a vessel chosen by him. Let God do God's work. You don't have to go out and work for God as if God is impotent and not able to work for himself. He's saying, I put you in the world to serve as my vessel through which I can do my work. You are my workstation. I am the supervisor. Matter of fact, I'm the owner of the company. I own you, matter of fact. I own the cattle of a thousand hills. Matter of fact, I own the air that you breathe. I own everything. So let God be God as God does his work through you. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't put a shade on the light. Don't get jealous of other people if their glow is a little brighter than your glow. Just say to the Lord, Lord, I want you to magnify your glory in my life. And when God chooses to let his glory reveal itself through you, there is not enough darkness in the universe that can hide the light that God is sending through you. Where is God? Where is he, y'all? He's in you. And now where are you? In him. So whenever you hear yourself telling yourself, oh, I'm in trouble, you need to remind yourself, no, you in God. Trouble in my way. Have to cry sometimes. Trouble ain't in my way. I'm in God. Christ in God. God, Christ, and me as a believer. I can go to, go to the grave with that. I ain't got to even kick, holler, and scream trying to stay here. Because I know that when this clay house cannot afford a home any longer to the soul that dwells in it, it will go back to the dust of the earth. But there is something, there is someone that's living in here with me that is eternal and that will last forever. Now, in my first conclusion for tonight, <laughs> I see the clock right here, 745. I think I'm supposed to be down by, what is it, 11 o'clock? It's not 11 o'clock? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brother Doug is not yielding on that. He says 755. In the text, there is a word that is so beautiful. Most people are looking for it, but in all the wrong places. And if you don't believe you got it, 
you will do great harm to yourself trying to get it. And some people have been in the church for 30 or 40 years and they still don't believe they got it. And it's so powerful and it's such a beautiful word that I just have to read it straight from the text. It says, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me. You loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Love. Love. That is the ultimate point of life. That's why the Lord let you be born so that you could come to know the love of God. He so loved the world that he allowed his son to die to prove it to us. Are you loved? Yes, you are loved. But do you believe that you're loved? God can tell you all day long that you're loved and it won't do you any good if you don't believe it. One last passage I'll read here. Paul says in Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love, is the love, is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God that you may know love. This is a mean world that we live in. So many people feel unloved, even in the church. Racism is the absence of God's love. Rage Unforgiveness is the absence of God's love abiding in the human heart. Amen, baby.